everybody. Welcome to another bonus episode of Lancelot's Roundtable. For this bonus episode, I wanted to try something new we hadn't previously done on the roundtable. Allow me to elaborate. When I was originally thinking of doing this bonus episode, I wanted it to be a review of the first season of the Chosen TV series. Well, as we recorded, it turned out a bit differently than I had originally planned, so I wanted to explain three things before you listen to the episode. First thing, my special guest co-host and I talk about reviewing The Chosen throughout, throughout our, our talk. What actually happened during this recording wasn't really a review. Instead, I would say we just had a discussion about The Chosen TV series as we recapped our thoughts and feelings from watching the first season. Uh, second, as I already stated, my original, like what I was thinking about, envisioning uh, for this bonus episode was kind of a review of the entire season of the Chosen TV series of the first season. Um, Well, one episode recording for Lancelot's Roundtable was not even nearly enough time to do a, a, quote, review of an entire season of a TV series. So we we didn't even remotely get close to the end of the entire, to like talking about the the whole first season of The Chosen. And third, there are spoilers, obviously, in, this, in, in our discussion of the Chosen TV series. So listen at your own risk if you haven't seen it already. Now, if you haven't, I really highly recommend it. So definitely, definitely take the time to go um, see it. Now, I definitely hope that you enjoy listening to our discussion. And uh, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen into the roundtable. We really appreciate all of you that regularly listen in to our episodes. You get your paycheck today, but every month you have to go to this hut, stand in line, and pay it. Yeah, because right now, dude, like, we don't have to see how much taxes are coming out of our paycheck. Yes. We just get our direct deposit, and, and then every time you look at your, t- your, your check, and you're like, wait, you took how much out of my paycheck? My paycheck would have been what? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lancelot's Roundtable. Today, we have an episode where we are going to be reviewing a TV series. That TV series is called The Chosen. And uh, here to help me with that review is my good friend, David Eckel. Dave, welcome to the Roundtable. Hi, Lance. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you, man. So we are going to be doing a review of The Chosen. You feel up for that? I am totally up for it. Sweet. One of the best. Yes, it's a fantastic, fantastic series. Why don't you uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So Lance, you and I met a couple years ago. Couple. A couple. It's, I think it's been seven or eight. It seems like it's been a couple, but um, at the company we currently work for still today, yep. I am a big Apple aficionado. As yes. you well know, we've already talked about that. Um, you remember at, at your cubicle, you had those like, what was it? Like the original icons on the very first Apple or something like that? I had something like that. A lot of Apple pictures. Now it's just <laughs> working from home. I don't have those anymore. So oh, yeah. I forget about it. But yeah, big Apple time guy. Love it. Love everything about it. Big. I've heard you kind of like golf too. Uh, golf, yes. Golf on the weekends in the summer is kind of my go-to. I, I really enjoy the time out on the course. Um, I'm a dad of two now. I That's have a right. four-month-old three-year-old so it's a little hectic in the home but we're, we're making it you, <laughs> you know. make it work right we make it work that's for sure it's uh, two boys right two boys that's olin and Bo, and 
I'm really thankful for them. I love being a dad, as I'm sure you're well aware. It's, oh, it's yes. fantastic. So it's, I feel like it's one of the biggest challenges I've ever been through, but it's also one of the biggest rewards, biggest adventure, yes. biggest reward. Yes. Especially yes. when you really, I feel like once we got past the infant stage, I mean, we've had this conversation before. When you're, when, for me personally, when I was in the infant stage, it was just lack of sleep really got to me. Yes. So once we got out of the infant stage and everybody was sleeping through the night, then it just becomes like, oh, you're living with these little humans that have these really interesting personalities. They throw giant fits sometimes, and that's not <laughs> fun, but it's still very fascinating. And then, like, when they do stuff, yeah, it's just, it's very rewarding. Right. Challenging, but, but rewarding. Right. One of my biggest things I like to say is the word bummer mm-hmm. around the home. So, oh, bummer. Well, now my three, almost three-year-old is now walking around the house and saying, oh, bummer, yes. when something isn't right. And I'm like, okay, they are little sponges. <laughs> yeah. They are little sponges. They absorb everything. They watch everything. They see it all. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of scary. Anyway, so today, Dave, we're going to review The Chosen. Uh, I don't remember when I found out about this. It was, I think the first season was out when I first heard about it. I think it was one of our friends, one of Kim's good friends, uh, Christine, I think she messaged Kim or something because we were frustrated about there's nothing that kids can watch. There's nothing, there's nothing good that we can watch. And then I think it was Christine who messaged her on Facebook or something and was like, Hey, I, you guys should just watch the chosen. The kids loved, our kids love the chosen and it's really good and it's really well done. So then I found out that it was like, I'm putting this in quotes, everybody, a Christian show. And I personally have some thoughts about Again, Christian, in quotes, uh, content that gets created. Movies. I feel like you can kind of always tell when you see one of these TV shows or movies, oh, yeah, this is is done by one of those Christian, I don't even know what you'd call them. But with with this, so when I went in, I was like, I wasn't very excited about watching this. And I think Kim and I then watched, like, the first episode, and I was literally just blown away. Everything, everything was just spot on. The music was amazing. The acting was fantastic. Yep. And the emo- you're immediately drawn in. I just, I loved it. I was hooked right away. You? Yeah, the theatrics of it. I think that's what you're looking for there. there it was, was just on point. Like it was one of those things where, especially in the day and age today, if you're not hooked from the start or kind of get a little bit, you know, of a sense of, wow, that's good. Yeah. You might not watch it past, you know, the intro or first, you know, a couple minutes in there. 100%. I think for my wife and I, Katie, we were just like, wow, like it is intense. Yes. Right? It is intense. It's kind of, I, I like the, it's a straight shot. In terms mm-hmm. of you know what they're trying to talk about, it's not like they're trying to cover everything in one episode. It's spread out, obviously, over a it's couple a good way seasons. To put that. Yep. And I really appreciated like there's a very serious part in everything that they're talking about, but there's yes. also the humor. Yeah. In it that keeps you kind of coming back, and yeah. it's it's funny. Yeah. I, I really you know I, I I watched season one and two. We watched it again. Mm-hmm. We're like let's go like let's watch let's get to the other seasons i know they have seven coming yeah, planning up. Yeah, yeah planning seven so they're in three right they're in three so three just got got funded officially the whole series the whole series got funded so now the whole season i should the say. whole season yeah. so now they're going to start filming okay so i'm excited yeah very excited it's actually i, I did have a couple notes here that I, what i was surprised about is actually shot in utah so season one and two is in I knew utah that. Yeah. And they're now, they moved it down to Dallas, and that's where season three and beyond will be okay. shot at. 
But okay. also the cool part about it, what I was reading about it, is that they're actually going to create a tourist attraction where you can go see Sweet. the sets and, and things. So it, I think that would be a fun kind of thing to go see how it's shot. And yeah. maybe some of the people are there that are the actors and, you know, the different props and how they did it would be a cool thing to see. Yeah. Take the kids to. 100% agree with that. I I didn't know any of that. I, I don't even think I knew where it was shot. I think I thought season two for some reason was in Texas, but that's probably just because I saw something about season three on Instagram because I followed the director, Dallas Jenkins, on yep. Instagram. And he's always posting stuff about where they're at. And so I think I just saw something where they were in Dallas. Yep. Or maybe because his name is Dallas, I thought that everything <laughs> was just in <laughs> Dallas. I connect the two together. And be it. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, geez. Okay, sorry, folks. We had a little bit of a technical glitch. I think the headphones I had David using are bad. Uh, and I thought I had got rid of my bad headphones. But anyway, here we are. We're back. We're back. We're live, and we're recording. Technically not live. So what I was saying is I have, like, this website, the Synopsis Place. So it has all of the... Um, I have episode one, the different things that happen in episode one, so I can kind of think through. I was looking through this yesterday. I know you already have some notes, but I just thought we would start with season one. So I'm just I'm just remembering, like, yeah, firing it up and just immediately being like, wow, like, the cinematography is good, the music's good, and I, I was pretty much immediately hooked. So if you can remember the the... Episode one does a really good job of like introing a lot of different characters in a really interesting way. So I love how in episode one, they open with just it's it's nighttime. It's this little girl. It's her dad. There's a tent. So they don't even have like a home. And she's afraid. I think she said she's afraid of the dark, essentially. And then her dad's I think he hands her the doll or she has the doll. Yep. And then he's like. What do we say? And then he he quotes Isaiah, Isaiah 43, which says, Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. And she keeps that verse in her little doll. And then if you remember, like immediately after that, like scene, the very next scene is essentially her dad dying of something. And then it cuts to several years later when this little girl is all grown up and she's in a city and she's not having the best of times. Mm-hmm. What are your memories of, of that opening? Yeah, so I like from the start, it, it seems like every single episode is a chance to say and be, who is that? Like, who like who is this little girl? And like, I yeah. mean, how many people are in the Bible? Hundreds right. of right. thousands of people. And it's like, wait, who is this one person? And who are they jumping in with? I do remember, I believe it was Mary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Mary at a very young age, what we'll see in the next couple of episodes in terms of what she is going to become and then turn into, but seeing from the start, her, I don't know, just innocence and who she Mm. was and just kind of like holding onto something special. I think a lot of times, a lot of people have that one special thing that they kind of hold on to a doll, a bear, a blanket, Mm -hmm. that being passed down to her and her holding on to that thing. I I feel like was just a quick kind of like, what is that? And that really from the start season one, episode one, like that really captivates the audience and says, okay, well, what is that? And you even see, you know, the Isaiah 59 written on it. It's like, okay, that's interesting. So Mm. I don't know. That just kind of jumped right into it from the start for me where it's like, wait, 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 what is that? 
and yeah. you kind of follow along. And every single episode that you watch really is either a flashback or some kind of fast forward to what's going to be talked about in the episode and kind of ties back to it later in the episode. So yeah. I think what we see initially, we'll, we'll get to that, but it'll come back into that picture eventually. Yeah, I, that's a really good way to put, put it when you were saying like how like a lot of times they start an episode and you don't know, it's these new characters that you haven't seen yet. Even like in later episodes, it won't start with the characters that you've known. It'll be like a brand new character and they're doing something. You're like, what are they doing? And then, and then it clicks at some point because they go through and they're doing what they're doing. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this isn't even like Jesus' time. This is, this is Jacob. Right. Oh, this, that's Jacob and his sons. Oh, that's what they're doing. And like, that's just so fascinating how they do that. Almost like, a, I think Lost, the TV series Lost was the first one that I can remember that would jump around time like that. Um, but yeah, like how... I, I liked how it opens, and then it's like this little girl, and you're like, I don't know who this is. She's got a dad. She's living in a tent. She has this doll. They know God, so clearly this must be an Israelite. Right. Um, but I don't know who this is. This isn't Jesus, because it's a little girl. I like it. it it's, yeah. It, for me, I think the context, like it would be, it would feel off if there was like a context to say, here's what this is and here's the time and here's the story. It gives me that sense of, okay, what is this? And trying to think through the entire Bible, like, okay, what are they talking about from this first episode? Now mm-hmm. watching it over again, I, I, I know what they are talking about, but it gives yeah. that kind of, okay, what is this exactly? And where are they in the Bible? And what is this story showing us? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's a really interesting way to take it creatively because instead of if they like opened with a paragraph to place you where you are with who you are, instead of doing that, what they're doing is they're just letting you be a fly on the wall and experience what's going on. And like, yeah. So I I liked how they set that up. And when we say it's Mary, it's, it wasn't, I mean, spoiler alert, this has been out for a while. So if you're listening to this, you know, pause it and go watch the first season or the first episode and and then so we don't spoil anything for you but the mary that it is is actually mary magdalene so it's not like mary jesus's mom so super interesting that that's the character that they introduce introduce us with it was intentional i'll just say that it was intentional that we start with her and then the next scene um that they have here is uh with nicodemus so you there's somebody traveling along the road and he's wearing a nice outfit he's got a girl clearly his wife that he's traveling with and uh, he's got like priestly garments on and then romans show up like romans with armor and everything show up and they're basically the romans are coming to tell him we don't know who this guy is yet but he seems to be an important person so the roman guard is basically like hey people are fishing when they shouldn't be fishing and we're not getting taxes is that basically the setup i believe so yeah because it's like we need our taxes and they're fishing when you people aren't supposed to do any work um, and we're not getting taxes for that. So you need to, you need to make us put a stop to this. And that guy, he's a little bit like, I don't do your work. And they're like, well, you're going to anyway. That's what I remember. Is that what you remember? Uh, Yeah. Nicodemus is a, he's an important character in the full season one, like looking at it and really seeing him from the start, you know, he, is of importance with when they're riding, I believe it was horse and chariot. Like he is sitting like a King and his role, what you'll see throughout the entire season one and season two actually is, is very important, but just to hear what 
he has to say and how he handles certain things. He's getting, he's got a little bit of some intrigue to him about what's going on and understanding, okay, something's, something's up. Like he seems like there's something going on. And just in that early episode in that early interaction with the Romans, something's not right. Like mm-hmm. There's some, something missing there that, keeps intriguing you. Yes. Okay. What is, okay. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good, that was a good start. I really like that start to it to see Nicodemus and what he eventually will do Mm. and how he meets Jesus and talks to him and that stuff. So you can kind of see right away, this is kind of getting into the story of Jesus and what is going to come. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, this show does a really good job of getting you invested, not just in a singular character, But like it sets up like a full story of like so many individual characters and they're all very, very, very unique. Yes. And they all are drawn to this guy, Jesus, for very different reasons, yet kind of the same. It's it's how they do that is really, really, really well done. Um, And by the way, I always do this whenever I'm watching something. If I see if I see an actor, I'm like, oh, what else have I seen him in? So the guy that plays Nicodemus, his the actor's name is Eric Avari who's actually a fairly well-known actor. He was in like the first scene of Independence Day. He's the guy that wakes up and hits his head on a thing because somebody wakes him up and he's monitoring for alien activity. Uh, First time I saw this actor was in actually Stargate. He plays like the main guy in the movie Stargate. uh, Sorry, the chief of like the locals. He's like the chief of the locals. So anyway, they got a... um, that was that was one of the. I don't think I recognized any of the other actors in this series, but I did recognize him. So I just wanted to call that out. Okay, so the next is there anything else you want to say about that scene? Good to go. Okay, Good to go. all right. Then the next scene we are introduced to Matthew, a tax collector. He's an Israelite, but he collects taxes for the Romans, and he is um, the actor that plays Matthew is Paris Patel, and he's a outstanding actor in this role do you remember that do you remember that scene matthew is interesting from the the direction that he plays in this first off in the bible but then also in this series just where he comes from and where he is doing and how he goes about himself is interesting because he's he's truly unlike anyone else because everyone doesn't like him yeah so and he we get into it with throughout the seasons and the series of how he kind of handles himself. But in this situation, we see him early about what he is going to be doing and what he is called to do. And I remember in kind of that first episode that Matthew's just kind of, he's a little different yeah, in how he handles himself. And, and seeing that, I, He's another one of those characters that's like we've now in, been introduced to three characters already between Mary, Nicodemus, and now Matthew. Mm-hmm. They all have this interesting type of thing to them. Yeah. And it's another one of those notches that's like, okay, what is this and what's going on? Let's find out more about what they're about. Um, obviously, when you introduce a tax collector into this series, that it's going to obviously interrupt, throw people off because it's someone that a lot of people don't like and mm-hmm. it kind of creates that maybe a bad character right off the, right off the bat. Like, yeah. Why is this guy collecting taxes? Let's not show about him, but he was just as important to Jesus as anyone else. So 
Yeah. I, it was early on. And you kind of get that feel for who he is and what he's going to, what he's going to be for the, for the show. Yeah. So like in the scene, he's like on his way to his work and he can't take a direct route because that would put, could put him at danger because like you said, a tax collector is not a very liked individual. They're collecting taxes for Rome. And I think historically they were known to, you know, maybe make people pay a little bit more than what they had to pay. And they would kind of take a little extra for themselves. So they were kind of like despised. And especially if, if you're an Israelite, which Matthew is, you're all Israelites are subject under Rome right now. And he's working for quote, the enemy, uh, because you're, you're under the, you're under the rule of Rome, but you're your own ethnic group. And uh, the fact that you're collecting taxes for the Romans, but you're actually an Israelite, there's like inherent levels of feelings of betrayal that we get into, obviously. But just the fact that he's a very isolated kind of individual, he seems to like it at first, but he seems to also not be happy about it. And just the nature of him not even being able to take a direct route to work and having to almost smuggle himself. And then he gets there, and then that's when he has protection because there's Roman guards there to kind of keep him safe. Right. Which we find out later. Well, we'll get to it. But even like in that, in that first scene when he's going to work, what you see about him is he is trying to be as clean as possible. Mm. I think he thinks everyone else is dirty. You always see kind of not touching things or just kind of being a little standoffish Mm -hmm. in it. And it's like, okay, what's going on here? Like, do you not, you know, he is an Israelite. Do you not associate with these people because you are now the tax collector? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it is interesting. That just, that reminds me, because I think in the opening scene is when he's at his house, right? Yes. And he's like, got like a whole plate of food, like nice food, what you'd probably consider nice food. He's like dabbing like oils on himself or whatever to smell good. And then he puts on these really nice looking leather sandals, which he then proceeds to step in poop. And then he... All right. We had a little bit of a hiccup there. I just caught it out of the corner of my eye. It stopped recording. So now we're recording again. So I think what I was just saying is like, this guy, Matthew, the character that we're introduced to, he's got his own, he has a backup pair of sandals and you can kind of, I got the sense that nobody says anything, but like, oh, those are probably extra expensive sandals. These are like some Nike, you know, Jordan whatevers yes. that are. They are not, not, they are not the old Navy $5 <laughs> summer sandal. <Yeah. laughs> these are not that. These are not those sandals. Yeah, but just like that these are be super expensive and not the the average person couldn't have it. And then he goes and he walks, steps in some poop and he immediately has a backup pair that he can replace. And there's even that character that is he gets into the back of the guy's wagon, but the character is like, "Oh, you're throwing those away because you stepped in poop? Give them to me that I could sell them and feed my family for a month." He says something like that. So we can tell that Matthew is very wealthy. He has, uh, I don't know, he has a status type job and he's just in a comfortable type position, I guess I would say. And um, he, he is very young. That's a good point. Of his age and might not be the wisest to make the decision. Well, spoiler it also later on, you'll see with his parents, his parents don't agree with him being a tax collector right. at all. So I think he is a little young and immature in the fact that he chose this route mm. for his life. Yep. And he's kind of going about it on his own. Yeah. To figure things out. Yep. Yeah. That's good. 
All right. And then uh, we go the next scene. It takes us back to Nicodemus, who has arrived at a synagogue. And we basically then it basically shows us how important he is, because when he arrives at this synagogue, all of the people in the synagogue have been waiting for him to arrive. And they basically they start calling him like the teacher of teachers. He's just you, you get the sense like this isn't just some random priestly guy. This isn't just some random Pharisee like this is somebody who's really high up there on whatever this hierarchy is. Do you have any thoughts about that scene? Um, Just that you see, especially in the synagogue, you see early on the tradition and the history of what faith meant to people. Mm. And it was the history of Nicodemus being what they called him, the teacher. All right. Another technical issue, but we are back. Okay. We were talking, you were talking about the teacher of teachers. Nicodemus being the teacher of teachers and what we had talked about was him being that to so many people at that certain time that whenever he would go someplace, he had that respect mm-hmm. for everyone else or that everyone else had, would have that respect for him. And he would, everyone would look at him as a heightened person in that day because that's all they had to go for because of his faith at that time. So yeah. he was a, a very important person in the early go of this and what people's faith was at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I was, I was kind of blown away because they had prepared a reading room for him. And so he gets in and like everything's set up where he's going to be reading, what scrolls he's got. They have the pen thing that, that they, so like they have this thing that looks like a pen and it's like when they read, they're moving this thing along uh, each word. So they're not actually writing anything, but it's like an instrument that they use when they actually read, which was wild. So they're like, is everything set, you know, to your standards? I think they had like some snacks there. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. Thank you. But I was just like, man, person arrives and like you have your own reading area set up and all of these very particular things like that's some that's some level of status for sure. Uh, okay. And then I one thing that's important to point out about this particular scene is that when it ends, a Roman shows up and proceeds to um, usher himself into this room, which is apparently like a no-no, kind of disrespectful. And they're like, well, like all the other guys are like, what are you doing? You can't just walk in here. And he's like, yes, I actually can. Thank you. And that's when the Romans are like to Nicodemus, the character, like we have a problem. There's a demon possessed person there. So there's another scene I think that we had had where it flashes back to Mary and she's having some major issues she actually sees uh, she sees a Roman, I think, and then she has a flashback of of like earlier on, and it's just a silhouette of a Roman soldier coming into the room where she's at, shutting the door, and you can infer what happened to her. Uh, she was a victim at that point. And then when she has that memory, she's having that memory from seeing a Roman in real time. And then it like is messing with her. Like she, you can just tell she's in a a real turmoil and then, then she's having issues in a room. Did I miss anything? You did not. The one character I was going to bring up in really the the start of it that we'll see important throughout everything is Shmuel. Oh yeah. Shmuel. 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 Like just the name of it. It's like, who is this? Yeah. Who is he? And and I believe he's the guy who's like set up the room, right? Yes. And he was, I believe the right hand man to Nicodemus. That like, sounds right. Yeah, he was almost the next in line 
And in that's terms, definitely the sense that you get, isn't it? Yes. And there's something particular about him that was interesting where he was, okay, what's going on? Like another one of those characters that's like, okay, we have Mary who is in this state of turmoil, of yeah. turmoil. And then you have Roman guards, you have Matthew and just one of those people that we're keeping track of that. I mean, I've read the Bible pretty much in my entire life. I haven't heard of him before right in the Bible. So another, a character that was, I believe in the book, but also important in this to show kind of who Nicodemus is and mm-hmm. give him that support to what he's going to do. Yeah. Did you know when you say like you had read it, do you remember anybody named Shmuel, Shmuel in the Bible? Not to my knowledge. Yeah. Me, me either. But that's one cool thing about, I think the series is that it introduces, it introduces characters that fit in, in the world and bring it more to life, I think. Uh, but yeah, he's a very interesting character because your mind knows, like, I'm kind of need to track with this person, um, and you don't know why. But yeah, the show does a really good job of that. I think, like, oh, I need to need to pay attention to this guy. Is like as soon as Nicodemus arrives, this character Shmuel is like, oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, I've set up this room for you, and like yelling at the Roman guard, you're not allowed in here, and then. So what, the one funny thing that happens when the, we're kind of all over the place, but it is what it is. When the Roman guard, when the Roman soldier shows up and they're like, Nicodemus, you need to go down to the red quarter because there's somebody who's having a demon possessed situation and we can't have it. And he's talking, I don't think we know it, but you could probably have inferred it. They're talking about Mary. Mary's having a severe issue. Some kind of demon possession type of a thing is what they're alluding to. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus's response is like, I don't, I don't deal with affairs of Rome. That's you need to deal with that. And then the Roman soldier is like, what did he say? He said something like, you need to go take care of it your way or, or Rome will take care of it with our fire of fires. I don't remember what he said, like before he said fires of fires, but that was hilarious because he basically was like, he asked nicely the first time and then Nicodemus was like, no, that's Rome's problem. And then he's like, well, you're actually going to do it, or we're going to just go down and destroy the place. It's it was an interesting scene, mm-hmm. quote unquote, where he went to go do that. Like he did not want to go Nicodemus, down yeah, or, yeah, Nicodemus did not want to do that. Yeah, it's a super. It's so like you definitely get the sense in this scene that it's a very edgy, uh, not great area of town. It's right. the place that you don't want to go visit. You're not safe there. All of the deplorables are there. Yes. So this this high up guy wants nothing to do with going to that area of town. Right. Yeah. It is it's going to be an interesting scene and it to see that uh, someone that was possessed to being that taking out of them of what's to come there. Yeah. It's not an area that he wanted to go to. But yep. their only the only true way for her to come out of that was for Nicodemus to go down there. Mm-hmm. Interesting that the Roman guard would say, Hey, like you need to take care of it instead of us. Cause you would think with someone being possessed, you would probably choose the fire of fires yeah. for them <laughs> rather than saying, Hey, Nicodemus, you need to go take care of them. Yeah. And then have that come out of her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was a very, very, very interesting scene. So like, obviously once that scene is over, uh, it cuts from Nicodemus's storyline essentially over to two brothers. Uh, so the next scene, we're introduced to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. And what are they doing? They are 
were they fishing? They were, they were gambling. They were remember he was in a they were fighting. Simon Peter was like basically in a boxing street match with this other guy who we find out later is his brother-in-law and they're basically gambling and betting on Simon. They they don't explain the rules, but basically Simon is getting just punched around and you kind of figure out that he's he's playing the game. He's not really as hurt as he's letting on. He's not almost done as he's letting on. And his brother Andrew is like looking on, telling him, you got to take another punch. And then Simon Peter's like, I don't want to take another one. And then his brother Andrew is like, no. like, And it's all like signals, right? Nobody's saying anything. They're just making looks at each other. And then he's like, no, you got to take another one. So then he takes another punch and he's acting like super hurt. Simon Peter is acting like he's super hurt. He's not called Simon Peter yet. He's just called Simon. And, uh, and then he like does this really cool hop you know, kicks himself up onto his feet after something apparently went the right way. And then he starts beating the tar out of the other guy. So Simon all of a sudden flips the tables and is clearly not as hurt as he had seemed to be. And then he beats down the other guy who's his brother-in-law, which I don't even know if it reveals that. I don't think so. Any, any thoughts on, on, on that? Interesting that fighting is something that's prevalent. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the day and age and everything that's going on, obviously it's another one of those things where we were introduced to Mary first, now Nicodemus. And then when we're introduced to Matthew and now we're introduced to more disciples of Christ and you see that and like what they're going to become for Jesus. And like in the fighting aspect of it, for me, I was like, okay, like this is interesting. I'm not too much into a fighting. Like I, I don't like to watch it. You know, but I understand back then, obviously, it was some hobby that people enjoyed right. doing, and they would... It was a form of entertainment when you didn't have a TV. Yeah, just, no TV. Just go watch a couple dudes exactly. punch each other. Exactly, and they would gamble on it, and that mm-hmm. was the afternoon of fun when they weren't working. It was it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, I, I also like thinking about overall how they do the TV show... Like if, if you've, if, if you have been, and like I grew up in the church, I grew up reading my Bible. Well, actually I didn't really start reading my Bible until I was older. I thought it was boring. <laughs> um, but in reading the Bible and you know, if you've gone to Sunday school and you've heard stories, you know, Peter, he's like, he's a top tier character in your brain. Yes. If you know the story of the Bible, uh, Andrew, not so much a top tier character, but still an important character. Jesus, top tier character, Nicodemus. No, I don't even know if he's literally mentioned in the Bible. He is. He is. Maybe once or twice. Okay, so he is a real character. Yes. And then Mary Magdalene, she is as well, but again, not a key character. Matthew, I don't really remember reading. I mean, he wrote one of the books of the Bible, but I don't really remember noticing him as as a character that had a bunch of stories in the Bible. And what's interesting about this this series is they don't, they don't start you off with the characters that you're expecting. Like, oh, it's a story about Jesus. We still haven't seen Jesus yet. And we're like, what, three or four scenes in? Still haven't met Jesus. Don't know where he is. Don't know who he is. Uh, maybe we have seen him. We don't know. Um, and then finally now we're just getting introduced to somebody that people that know the story of the Bible, they would know, oh, Peter. I know who Peter I is. His name was, his name was Simon. So he's not the first character. Mary is the first character, which is really fascinating to me. Okay. So, um, basically we get the sense that Simon is maybe not your, uh, 
he he maybe isn't your uh the role model that you would want your kids to model themselves after he's gambling he's fighting uh trying to get money and we realize i don't remember if we realize in this scene but basically they need money so they're trying to figure out how to make money because then they haven't been making enough money fishing and then we find out that peter is married which i think was a very fascinating take i don't personally have any theories on whether or not he was actually married except for i was reading mark the other night and it did say talk about his mother-in-law was sick and that jesus healed his mother-in-law so if he has a mother-in-law and again i don't know the actual hebrew of the book of mark but i remember reading that it's a mother-in-law not his mother so did you have any what did you think when you saw peter's married and his wife's name is eden simon is a very interesting character in this you know there's something about him when you're watching just kind of funny witty yes he good good humor yes has good humor something about him and when you go into this scene initially like with them fighting and then finding out he has a wife there's some kind of i don't know slight i would say in terms of what he is doing and trying to do and get you know obviously money to be able to pay taxes to be able to live to be able to do certain things so he's trying to find all these different routes to take to being able to do something um especially Andrew being his brother is a little bit, I would say a little bit more wise in terms of just his nature. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But Simon is, is an interesting character. I think he's going to be great. And it's like, you would never have pictured if this was the first time you're watching or reading or following along with this and you have no history of the Bible or what it's talking about. The people that are starting to come into the scene I don't think anyone would have an idea that they're all going to be together yeah. at some point. You know, it's like, wait, these stories are just... That Jesus is going to pick all these people to be in his troop. Yeah, exactly. you wouldn't see that because they're all too different. Yes, all different corners, the high levels, low levels, fighting people, demon-possessed. Simon is an interesting one, especially Andrew in this. Yeah, and just like all the other characters that we've mentioned, they're all, all of the actors are fantastic. And uh, Paris Patel, like we were saying, is is who plays Matthew. I'd never seen him in anything before. Shahar Isaac is who plays Simon. And he is super ripped. Yes. Super ripped. And he's a fantastic actor. And I didn't think of this until you were kind of talking about it, but or you were talking about Simon and Andrew, but they have really great chemistry. Like, you totally can believe that they're brothers. The way that they get, they're very different. And just how they interact with each other is very brotherly, right? Um, which I guess you would expect, but it's it's well done. To their jobs and nature of being fishermen, like mm-hmm. you need to be very muscular. You need to have mm-hmm. a lot of, I would say, mind power, but also that body power to be able to take these nets, bring in all of these fish, you know, yep. do those kind of things and, and do that. I, I feel like getting your fingers all cut up with those nets. Yeah. You probably have major calluses. I mean, have you ever seen deadless catch people? Did <laughs> yeah. you ever see that show? Deadless catch? No. no. Oh my gosh. I was really into that show. Like, I don't know how long ago, but yeah, it's just these p- fishermen in Alaska that go out and like get crab and it's super dangerous. Like the weather can turn in an instant and yeah, so anyway. But the net, like, there's no modern technology. There's Correct. no hooks to be able to pull things in manually or automatically from the boats. It's your hands are out there. You're pulling in these fish. Yep. You need to be very muscular and well-fit to be able to withstand the days. And 
You know, they're not just hanging out on the boat, boat getting suntanned out there. They're, right. they're working. You know, it is a working man's job. And that is something that is very important to see. Yeah. And the visual of that, too. I, I, you know, you resonate a little bit with that, that they are relentless in their efforts to, to find yeah. a wage to support your family, to support your wife. Yeah. The mother-in-law for Simon isn't sick yet. We don't see her right. sick. That'll come eventually. But to being able to provide for the family is huge in this situation, in this instance. So yep. I feel like he's going to all ends to figure out how he can bring in money for that. Yep. And like, it is really interesting when you meet Eden, you can see like, oh, this is Simon's house. This is his wife. You get the sense that they're really young. Like, like, and, and in that culture, you've alluded to this, but in that culture, you're the guy, you're out there and you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to bring in provision. And if you don't do it, you and your wife starve. Your wife is home taking care of things, getting food ready, um, taking care of the house so that the house stays in order. But I just remember, I don't remember if it was this scene, but just kind of like the scenes that, that we have with Peter, or excuse me, with Simon and Eden is just his, the burden. You can see the burden that he's carrying in need, wanting to take care of his wife. And there's even like, Andrew's around and he's doing stuff too, but you could, you just get this sense. I got this sense watching Peter. He's, uh, it felt to me like he's more newly married, maybe a year, maybe two years or whatever, but like, he's just got this burden of responsibility on him. Like I've got to take care of stuff. And mm -hmm. I just feel that way. And I remember being young and married. Kim, I was 25 when Kim and I got married. She was 21. I did not have an established career, but I can remember the burden of like, I need to be able to provide for my family. And like when things aren't going well, I can remember many times when things wouldn't go well and it just seems like things aren't going right. And so just, I just remember having, getting that, getting that sense and feeling for Peter, especially as we get to know him, like things aren't easy. I can kind of see why he's making decisions that he's making that I wouldn't necessarily make, but he is under like a level of duress. Did you get any feelings like that? Yeah. So Eden is very much so a, character a person that is really being forward in terms of how she's you know trying to be a wife to simon and i think especially the scenes i know what you're talking about like where you're seeing her you know make food she's doing the laundry she's cleaning up the house you know simon's a lot of times i think i remember vividly in there is that eden said to said to her or said to him said you know where are you going he's like i gotta go i'll be back and like one of those things like he's going to do something to either make money to do something for fishing but he's trying to figure it out where the responsibility now isn't just on his own it's to provide for his family yeah and seeing that was was key too yeah so okay so the next scene uh, we actually go back to nicodemus and he's traveling through this seedy area of town it's, they call it the Red Quarter. It's where unsavory characters are. And they're walking around. I think I th it, it's just funny because you got Nicodemus. I think Shmuel's like, to your point before, he's like right behind him, right-hand guy. I'm putting that in quotes. And there's like two or three other of these guys. And you can just tell they are incredibly out of their element. They're very uncomfortable. I think they see either prostitutes or slaves or slaves that are prostitutes like on the corner on the corner of the street, I'm putting that in quotes, because uh, it's, it's, it's an image that happens and you just see them kind of look and make eye contact. 
with you see Nicodemus and his cohorts making eye contact with this scene where these people are either getting sold or they're they're standing on a corner waiting to be purchased or something like that. You can just tell, oh no, I need to avert my eyes. I shouldn't even be seeing what I'm seeing. And they're traveling to go deal with this situation. Um, and then when they get close to it, they have the audio of what we assume is Mary because there's a room or like, I guess what we could call an apartment and you can just hear growling, wailing, Mm -hmm. very just noises that make you feel something's very, very off. Very uneasy. Very uneasy. Yes. Yes. And even going into it, it's, I mean, you don't, there's no other show or series that you would see something like this being talked about or shown. Like it's not something you would watch on TV. It's very much, you know, she was demon possessed Mm -hmm. and hearing those things. It's like, what is going on here? Like, you know, you're, you're intrigued to find out more. You want to keep watching. You don't want to like turn away. You want, you want to see what she might be going through and what this Nicodemus who besides the Roman guards potentially is the, the top guy, you know, in the city, the Mm -hmm. teacher of teachers Mm -hmm. coming in to treating probably one of the lowest type of people in the city yep. and having an interaction where it's, this doesn't happen too often. Right. Let's watch it. Let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you can tell, I mean, they do a really good job of setting it up like, okay, something is really like, you're hearing these noises that are coming from that room and you're like, okay, this is actually very serious. And this guy, yeah, should be able to do something in this situation, but he doesn't look like he's not inspiring a whole lot of confidence and what he's going to do. But then he kind of takes charge. He goes to, he looks to his dude, Shmuel, and he basically is like, go get these ingredients, some kind of bark and some kind of incense thing, and like, go get it quickly. And so that guy runs off, come back, and then he's got like, Nicodemus has like uh, some branches, I think, with some things, and he's got like an incense thing, so it's like smoking out. So, so it's basically like a, a chain, and at the end of the chain is like a big, I don't know, bowl type of an enclosed bowl thing, and there's smoke coming out of it. So there's some kind of hot coals in there that's like burning something, and it's making smoke. And so then he goes in. He's got his, quote, tools, his exorcism tools, and he goes into the room, and they made this part, like, pretty pretty scary, in my opinion. Uh, it was a little bit more... They they pushed they pushed an edge that like kind of what you said earlier you wouldn't see this type of a thing in any kind of Christian type production I wouldn't expect they're not pulling any punches it's like yes this lady is in severe torment and it's a it's a demonic possession and she's just kind of like moving around on the floor you don't see her face it's just the back of the face and then it comes to the point he's like talking and like the her like the the stuff that's coming i'm not even gonna say like her voice because it's not her voice it's like what's the noises are coming out of her vocal cords are are changing and getting more intense and then she like turns to look at him as he's like saying the stuff that he's saying he's like i adjure you get out leave this woman alone and like and then it like her face turns to look at him and the way that they did that was Wow. I was really on the edge of my seat. What are your thoughts? This, like the story is in the Bible, so it Mm -hmm. is true. And 
I, I like initially you said that you watched it with your kids. This no, we didn't watch this scene with the kids. Okay, okay. Well, that, oh, that, they that would have nightmares bad. for a while. That makes me feel better because I'm over here like I don't, I don't know how there, they would be able to get was, through it. But I think it was the episode, the next step or three episode three, which is with the kids. That's the one episode they've seen. The what we initially talked about too, the theatrics of it yeah. to show you know that that look, and I do vividly remember that image of Mary looking at Nicodemus in what is going on is scary. Yes. Like it is very much like anything could happen yeah. in this, but also at the same time, it's one of those things that keeps you coming back for more. Like yeah. this demon possessed person, Mary is now changing. It's coming out of her in some way. Yeah. That she is going to change and do something else. And it's like, we had no other history or story of Mary at the start of this, other than when she was with her dad initially. Yep. And then she young, innocent kid. Exactly. And then she goes into this state over after years of torment to be able to get to this. And now it's going to be a a massive change to being doing something to glorify what's to come. And that's just amazing. Yes. And I know Nicodemus in the future and this story too, it's, he goes into talking a little bit more about, you know, what he saw there mm-hmm. and what he had to go through. And I mean, that's just a, one of those notches on the belt where it's like, wait, you went and faced a demon possessed person and said these things and were in that room. It, it, I just couldn't believe what it would be like in oh, real yeah. time outside of shooting this for the, for the show. But it, it just unbelievable. Yeah. Like the fact that he even had the courage to go into the room is wild because if I encountered something like that in real life, one, I wouldn't know what to do. And two, just you don't know what you're going to face when you get in there and you're trying to do something like he went in there and he at least tried. Now, obviously like it failed because the thing talked through Mary, like as soon after she see it, it's basically like, what did, what did, what did it say? It basically like, we don't know you or we don't care essentially. Like we're not listening to you. We don't have to listen to you. Like get out of here. We're done with you. Um, and then he's like just shocked and basically he just leaves and, and she's not okay. Um, and then that's, that's basically the end of the scene. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was a very intense scene. Any other thoughts there? I don't know how Nicodemus, like he was obviously told to do it. Mm -hmm. He was going to save this Mary. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't know what was going to come out of it. He was going to give it his best effort to being able to heal her. Mm. And it's just like, that's the reality of it. Some people have that still today. Mm -hmm. And it's even seeing that, how he had dealt with it was just, for me, it was, it was eye opening because I've never seen that before in anything and reading it in the Bible, you don't get that kind of context of what the video or picture of it would, would be able to show you. Yeah. It's one thing to read in the Bible that this you know, so-and-so is demon possessed and the demons would throw him on the ground and he would convulse for a few minutes. Like it's like you read that and you don't, you know, okay. But then when you see it portrayed like that, they did it in this where like this individual is in torment and they're, they can't do anything to help themselves in that situation. It's very eerie and freaky and yeah. Eye opening. I think you said that. Yeah, it's not like you have the popcorn bowl right next to you and you're grabbing it to eat more of it. You're like not blinking eyes focused yeah every single second of it and it's like wait what like this is going to come out of this person and she's going to be completely different after yeah. this it's like what like, how, how do we get there yeah like, how in the world are we going to get there yeah 
And I'm, one thing to call out here, because I, like her name and my little like website here, we know her as Lilith right now. We haven't made the connection that it's Mary. That's a good point. Because that's a, that's a very important thing is that we know this individual that her name is Lilith and we don't know anything else about her other than what we've described, but nobody's called her Mary at mm-hmm. this point. True. Because that's a very important thing for the close of the episode we're getting to. So um, anyway, basically that after Nicodemus leaves, some time passes and then we find Lilith waking up um, and she wakes up. This is important because she, she has like a flashback of being with her father and, I think in this scene, yeah, she gets her, she finds her doll and like in the doll is the pa- piece of paper she pulls out and it's the, that scripture from Isaiah. And so she's kept it this whole time as she's looking at it now after having gone through this episode and you can kind of tell like this has happened to her before. She's just so done. I, I'm so sick of having to go through this stuff. Like can't anything like no, nothing can. And then she, I think she rips up the piece of paper, mm-hmm. which is a very like intense, like she had been carrying it this whole time. So whatever breaking point she at, she's at, it is an in, intense breaking point because she's taken this thing that she's kept with her that essentially came from her father and she's destroying it. It was a very intense scene. Very intense, especially something that you've had for that many years. Mm-hmm. And then you've gotten to that breaking point to be able to do that. It's eye opening to see that and I remember even in future episodes she ends up reciting that verse from from memorization so mm-hmm. it's something that she still has in her heart that she's living with mm. but the symbolism of her taking that piece of paper and tearing it up seems like you know there's a breaking point that she just had to kind yep. of forget that maybe the past that she just went through yep. and a, a page turned to what's going to come yep that's good all right, and so then we go back to uh, last. These are the basically the last couple of scenes here. Um, we'll go through these kind of quickly. So it's tax day, and people are going to the tax booth to pay their taxes. So we are we witness Andrew and Simon going to the tax booth where Matthew is. Matthew is revealed to be their tax collector, and they get there and they basically figure out that because of back taxes and everything else that they owe way more than they or Andrew owes way more than they thought and Andrew cannot pay his taxes and he's at the point okay we well, can't pay your taxes you're going to go to jail mm-hmm. because if you couldn't pay your taxes then you got thrown in jail where you would never be able to pay your taxes so you basically that's it you're you're done your life's over and then that's when Simon tells uh, Matthew and reveals, hey, I've got a, I have an agreement with the main Roman magistrate. And the magistrate, I was looking this up yesterday. I should have had this up on my on my iPad here, but a magistrate is somebody who has like pretty extensive authority, um, right in line with Caesar. So he, Simon is basically saying he has an arrangement on his taxes and Andrew's taxes with the magistrate Quintus, who was the guy who was bossing Nicodemus around at the beginning of the episode. And uh, so he's basically telling Matthew, hey, you know, we don't we won't be owing taxes because of the arrangement. Once I'm done with what I'm doing for Quintus, all my taxes and all Andrew's taxes will be done. And Matthew being Matthew, he doesn't believe him because Matthew's like, no, like you're not trustworthy. This something doesn't make sense. There's no way you could have made this arrangement. So he doesn't believe him. But that's essentially where that scene ends. Did you have any thoughts there? The the image I have from that Matthew collecting taxes right outside of it is the Roman guard. 
standing there, like kind of just making sure everything's kind of going to order. Gaius. Yes. Gaius. Yeah. <laughs> and Gaius is when he hears Andrew and Simon talk, he's like, something's not right with these guys. Something's up. Something's yeah. He's kind of side looking like what's going on over yes. there. Yes. And kind of, he is Gaius is Matthew's kind of guard to mm-hmm. go take him around to places. And they, those two create an interesting relationship yep. over time. But like Matthew is truly protected because of Gaius, but also in this scene, it's interesting to see like where you pay taxes. It's not like, you know, they're taking out of your paycheck, you know, you're surely going to this hub. <laughs> Literally have to show up with your, your funds in hand yes, and pay it. Stop what you're doing. No, you cannot go work during this time. You have to show up and you have to bring your taxes. And if you don't do it, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Yes. Pay what to Caesar, what is Caesar's. Again, like just the, the feeling that you get is just the burden on these people to do what to, to 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 pay their taxes to do what they need to do it's just the burden feels very heavy as you're right. as you're watching it it'd be interesting if that was today though yes and what i was thinking about it like how would you put yourself in their shoes like you get your paycheck today but every month you have to go to this hut stand in line and pay it yeah because right now dude like we don't have to see how much taxes are coming out of our paycheck yes we just get our direct deposit and and then every time you look at your t- your your check and you're like, wait, you took how much out of my paycheck? My paycheck would have been what? So like it is kind of funny to your point is like they have to like show up and like here's my taxes. And it's not like you're getting anything. I mean, technically you're, I guess, not getting invaded by barbarians or whatever. Right. But yeah, that's a... Just the ledger, Lance... And it's um, kind of in front of everybody, right? Like yeah. you have to go to this tax person and they clearly have an idea who Matthew is. He's an Israelite and he's telling them you owe this. Oh, and because you didn't pay here. And he's doing like math in his, you remember he's like doing yes. math in his head and with his fingers. So you can tell like he's very gifted with numbers, but this guy is basically telling you like, no, that's not enough. What you just brought isn't enough. You need it. So like, you're already like in a state of humility, like in that situation, the other guy wins because- what are you going to do? You can't argue in this situation. Maybe I'm okay with how taxes are taken out of the shots <laughs> of this. Yeah. The moral of the story is. <laughs> but I, I'll, a lot of times in this, I, I put myself and mm-hmm. my, myself in the shoes of what these people had to go through back in the day. And yeah. this is a situation where I would be like, ah, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. But obviously, you know, systems change and all this stuff. And obviously, it's not this is not how it's done today here, but a lot of times in this whole situation, like what would you do if you were Nicodemus? Would you have gone right. and healed Mary? Would you have said no? Roman, yeah. Roman guards, you take care of them. Yep. Interesting. Yes. Across the board. Yes. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah. And that's one good thing about, there's so many different characters and they are all relatable in some way. Matthew's state of security is very relatable because like he's, he's well fed. He's well, um, he has what he, he he's well clothed. He's got f- shoes on his feet. He's got a stable position. So like that's relatable in the sense of like, what would it take for me to stop? Like where, where are my morals? Where is my sense of, um, yeah, where's, where's my moral sense? And like, what would need to be going on to where I would not choose the, the security that I'm having? I get that kind of feeling from Matthew. And then with Simon and Andrew, it's like, oh my gosh, like how, how am I going to make it through this? How am I going to get the funds to pay? And like what I have to do, whatever it takes. And I'm willing to do not necessarily whatever it takes, but I'm willing to do some things that I wouldn't necessarily be willing to do, but I have to do it. 
otherwise I'm sunk. So everybody is, there's just something relatable about every single character. And I find myself in each kind of like what you were saying, putting myself in their shoes and being like, Oh man, I kind of get like a real taste of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. So what we first talked about was about how they went to Nicodemus and said, there's people fishing Mm -hmm. on quote unquote Shabbat, Mm -hmm. which we are know as the Sabbath Mm -hmm. and the day of the rest. And, Thinking about that, like, would you, if you needed to make ends meet, would you go and fish on the Sabbath to try to catch fish to be able to feed everyone and, and make ends meet? Would you do that? And it's it's one of those situations that I was thinking about. It's like, I mean, maybe, you know, right. if, that's, if that's what it comes to or else I have to go to jail. Like at that point, it's like I'm at between a rock and a hard place and I have to go do that to make ends meet. So it's just one of those situations that, you know, another thing that I put myself in yep. the shoes of the people and it's, it's true. You know, that's what it is today. And that's what it is back then. And what it is today, it's like, you know, you have to make ends meet and you have to do whatever it takes to be able to provide for uh, what we see in Simon and Eden, but also your family. And this is what Matthew's doing to be in the tax collector. Mm-hmm. You know, does he have to do this? I mean, that's what he wanted to do and that's what he chose to do. Does he want to do it? I'm not sure. Right. Right. That's yeah, that's great. Um, okay. The final scene, what an epic final scene this is. So basically what ends up happening is we get, we cut to Mary again. We know her as Lilith and she, I think she goes to a bar and she basically just drinks a bunch. And then the bartender who's a eunuch is basically like, he knows her, call, calling her Lilith. Lilith, he has an idea of what's happened, you can kind of tell. And he's just trying to encourage her, like, hey, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it. Stay here as long as you like. Eat this food. And she's like, no, what's the point? Like, she's at, she's at, she's at rock bottom. She's at the end. And I can't remember if I've got this in the order, so correct me if you know. But I think, I think that's what happens, and then she goes, or I have it in reverse. But basically, um, it might be reverse. She, I think she goes, yeah, I think she goes to the bar and then she leaves the bar and you can kind of tell that this bartender guy doesn't want her to leave because he kind of has an idea that she might do something that he doesn't want her to do. Mm-hmm. And she just leaves anyway. She goes to a cliff edge and she's ready to throw herself off the cliff. She's ready to just end it all. And then a dove flies by and then she follows the dove. Do I have that right? Yes. Is that what you remember? Yes. And was, didn't she see Jesus? Is that where we introduced to Jesus at the end of this? Yeah, but it, it happens some other way. Let me read this here. Following a suicide attempt, Lilith loses hope in her condition. She notices the dove and follows it all the way to the hammer, which is the bar that I was talking about. She enters the tavern, and she sits down. She's like, give me a drink. Uh, and I don't remember if they fight or like if the guy's like, I'm not giving you a drink. And then she's like, just give me a friggin' drink. And then they pour the drink and then she goes to take it. And then as she goes to take it, a hand comes up, like is placed on her hand. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay. It's over top of it. Yeah. The hand was over the hand. And then, and then she's like, wait, what? And she looks over and then that's when we're in, we don't know who it is, but the, the facial features and everything is so well done by the actor that plays Jesus, Jonathan Rumi. I looked up how to pronounce the last name. It is Rumi. R-O-U-M-I-E, unless the website <laughs> I saw it was wrong. Um, he, but he says something like, that's not for you. And then she starts, one tell that happens with Lilith is like, if something is happening with 
this is this is my interpretation. It's not spelled out any time. But she like sticks her fingers on her head because it's like she's getting like severe pain in the middle of her forehead. And so she'll like have like act like she just suddenly having a migraine, which to me is like the the demons inside of her are causing her torment. So like it's almost like they know that the demons inside know who this person is, and then they start doing this. She starts doing this thing that she's done throughout the episode where she's holding onto her forehead. You guys can't see me, but I'm like acting it out. Like I have my hands on my forehead and I'm like squinting my eyes shut. <laughs> and then she's just like, leave me alone. And then she walks out. And then as she's walking out, I think it cuts into like slow motion. It's epic cinematography. Yes. Really, really well done. And then I'm pretty sure you just see Jesus in the background because it's her like, it's close up of her face, but you can kind of see behind her and you can see the guy that told her to, this isn't for you. He's standing in the doorway and then he says, Mary. Right? Yes, Mary Magdalene. Yeah, he calls her by name. And then she just stops. She's just in shock. And then she turns around. And sees him. And then, it, yeah. It is epic. Yeah, it's just so well done. And just the inter- introduction of him, obviously, you're going through, you know, the first episode, like, when am I going to see Jesus? And it's like, okay, well. Yes, yeah, it's a whole next? series about Jesus. Yes, and- when am I going to see him next? And it's like, bam, like. Mary's the first one to be introduced to him. Yeah. It's, it's great that he's on, like, I always think about Jesus and and God being on time. Mm. Like Jesus is on time where she is going to take another drink and then puts his hand over hers and says, this is not for you. Yeah. And like, what was going to happen? Like, obviously she was going to continue doing something that she probably wouldn't want or wouldn't agree with. Mm. And now everything changes. Yeah. And that just in the introduction of him to her. Yeah. Yeah, and so like the scene kind of closes with him quoting to her the verse, you know, fear not for I have called you by name, you are mine. Like I'm paraphrasing, but he quotes it to her and she just realizes like there's no way you should know my story. And like then he basically like takes her by the head or something. He he embraces her or something and like you can just tell. The torment's gone. The right. demons are done. Yeah, that's a good thing that you said that about like what she was doing and clenching her head. Mm-hmm. You know that something was going on in terms of a headache, or, or the demons were, you know, in her body still. And like, wait, something's going on. But they knew who was there mm-hmm. and who was in her presence. And that is just like the visual of that was fantastic. Yeah, I literally, I think we, I think Kim and I have have watched season one three or four times. I don't not have tears coming. I'm not like crying or weeping, but I don't, I can't watch that last scene without tears. Just, yeah, just going. It is for Katie and I, when we watched, it was like, we are just glued to the TV. Mm -hmm. Like nothing else is going on around us. And it's just straight focus. Yep. Cause you're in awe of what is going on. Yeah. And what this book that we are accustomed to is showing us it's come you know, alive. Yeah, it's come alive. It's jumped off the page at us and we are just like, wow, we are putting two and two together and this is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well done. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, you definitely need to go see it. Uh you can you can watch these ups you can watch all of season one on Amazon Prime. I just checked that yesterday. I believe you can watch probably all of season one on YouTube. It's yeah, it's, they have their own app and it's really, really cool. I, I felt led in watching it where they have this pay it forward yep. 
technique yep. where it's like you can watch for free. It's There's no subscription to it. Yep. But if you want to, you can donate five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, and pay it forward for someone else to watch it. Yep. And that is fantastic where I think- And it's I, going to fund future seasons. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I paid like 20, 25 bucks and it was a donation. And yeah. I got 10 emails the next day saying, you let someone in the Netherlands watch this oh, in yeah. a different language. And I was like, Wow. That is really cool to yeah. be able to do it. And it's like, it could be someone that is, you know, just getting into it for the first time. It's someone that could be rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. Like that, yep. I really, really like that idea that they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I, it's, it's kind of funny because I just literally kind of pointed people to Amazon Prime and YouTube, which I guess is fine. But yeah, you can download the app on your device. You can watch all the episodes from both seasons on the device of your choice and you can... We, we watched them on our laptop. You can stream them on your TV, though. There's plenty of ways to watch it. But yeah, to your point, if you want to support this show, right? Like, yes. you don't have to pay to watch it. But if you do pay, I forgot because, like, they are translating it into other languages and everything, There's too. It's like 50 languages. 50? 50. Wow. Are they translating it to? It's like that reach right there is just amazing. Yeah. Like 50 different languages. So, like, it's an international. Yes. phenomenon at this point and it is all crowdfunded so a couple interesting facts dallas jenkins the director he was actually in hollywood he was up and coming like he was going to be super successful he did a movie the resurrection of somebody or something you can look it up dallas jenkins movie um and it bombed and he thought his career was essentially over because if if you do a movie and everybody believes yeah. in you and you do a movie and it bombs Apparently, I guess you're done, um, which I guess makes sense. But he thought it was over, and then he had the idea to do, like, a short. And, like, it's, it was very organic how he ended up doing this. But, yeah, like we said, he's doing uh, – they've funded, you know, to Dave's point, they've they've funded season three, so we know we're going to get a season three. And they're trying to get to seven seasons. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you go watch it for free, you should definitely support it. You can get merch. You, they got some sweet hoodies you can get. It was the craziest thing. Katie and I, when we first watched it, we were hooked on it. Kids would go to bed. We'd watch it, Mm. you know, a couple episodes here and there. It was during season one of the first time we watched it. And I think it was the next day we finished season one. I went to local ice cream place, Wits, got Mm -hmm. ice cream for the family. Mm -hmm. I turn around and this lady behind me was wearing a chosen T-shirt at the time. And I'm like... That is awesome. That yeah. is so cool. And it just, what it did is it sparked a conversation. Like, yeah. isn't that TV series awesome. so great? Yeah. And it was just like, that is awesome. Like, I feel like I need to be supporting them and wearing a shirt. Yeah. And that would be cool. But I just felt like that was awesome. Like, what are the chances that I'm watching this right yeah. now currently in it? And I go and see someone that's wearing a shirt. Like, that is really cool. Yeah. I 100% agree. So, um, where we're at here now, Dave, is we're an hour and 11 minutes in, so we're not going to get through the eight episodes That's fine. In, uh, in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> so let's go ahead and do just like a quick for episode two, which is Shabbat. We won't go through it scene by scene, and then we'll just, you can just come back and we'll do the rest of the season Okay. in... Uh, in other iterations. So Shabbat, I'm just going to kind of look through this real quick. Uh, let's see. So basically, yeah, we, 
we we kind of get introduced because really the whole ep- this whole episode is about Shabbat. So um, we get a flashback, you know, of a time before the setting of the actual show. So again, like years and years and years before the time period of the actual show, uh, there it's just a scene of Israelite people getting ready for Shabbat, and so you can just kind of see what Shabbat might have looked like for an Israelite family way, way, way back before Jesus. Um, and then basically when we cut to our actual characters that we know, uh, some people see Mary all in her normal situations. One thing we didn't talk about with episode one is that uh, Nicodemus's final conclusion after fleeing Mary was that only God can heal something that's going on like this. And he teaches this to the other Pharisees because they're like, he has to explain what happened because he's very like shaken by what happened. We get to see that in a couple scene in a scene with his wife in the first episode that we didn't talk about. But um, basically he basically presents to these people, like some people are so far gone that only God could, could do something about it. I, you know, that's why it failed essentially. So um, one of the Pharisees basically sees Mary. We know it's Mary now, not Lilith is in her total right mind. She's just walking around the town, just doing whatever. Smile on her face. Yep. Happy as can be. Yep. And so uh, the Pharisee that sees her is just like, whoa, what is going on? And he goes back and reports it. um, And then Nicodemus can't believe it. And so he goes back and then he finds her in her right mind. So what are some things that stood out to you about kind of that? Yeah, it has to go like, you know, see it, watch it in their own eyes. You know, the, it's that word of mouth type thing. And they wanted to go actually see it in person where they were both. I remember Nicodemus was very much so like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't believe it. There's no way that she was going to no way she's in her right mind all of a sudden. Absolutely not. And even seeing that and her like right mindedness that, you know, you have to kind of go back to season or to um, the first episode to put together that what nicodemus did was really the start of jesus coming out to saying hey like i'm here i'm i'm present this is my call this is my time and seeing that and now with mary and like it's a complete 360 in terms of what she was like in in the first (laughs) episode to now where she's smiling her face she looks happy as can be nothing's wrong with her and it's just it's complete a complete change and refresh my memory i feel like Jesus doesn't tell her his name. I don't think so. Because, uh, yeah, because she gets questioned later and she's like, I don't know who it was, but I was one way. And then after I, after he came to me, I'm, now I'm completely different. That's one of the famous lines in it, which we'll, we'll kind of get to that in a second. But yeah, so I mean, I guess well, I'll just go ahead and say it because it's one of the parts we don't need to go through it like scene by scene. But Nicodemus eventually finds her in the city and he calls her Lilith and she's like, don't call me. That's not my name. Um, and then she's like, okay, fine. And she's like, my name's Marion. So he's like, he's just very overwhelmed and wants to find out what happened because it doesn't make sense to him. Something really incredible has to have happened. And he asks her like, what happened? What's different? And she's like, somebody came and did something. That's what's different. And I don't know his name. And she's like, cause he wants to know who this person is. Cause he wants to find this person because it's just not making sense. And he wants to like, genuinely he wants to know what's going on. Um, because at first she doesn't want to talk to him at all because people like him that she's encountered before generally want nothing to do with her and haven't treated her well. So she doesn't have a good 
she doesn't really want him to be around. And he's very like, no, I just, I just want to talk. Just tell me what happened. And then she's basically like, I don't know his name. I don't know who he is, but this person I encounter now, I'm completely different. That's one of the famous lines from the chosen, um, series. So anything else about that or about the episode in general that you want to mention? It was another kind of one of those things where, you know, we're starting to see the change that's going to come from people. Yeah. And it's really going to move through different, you know, three different people and characters that are in there. You know, we got introduced to the, the, if I call it five people now, there's going to be more mix-ins of more people throughout what we're going to see in here. And just like what Nicodemus saw and now what he's telling people is, you know, hey, only God can do these things now. Now he's saying that, okay, well, what is he going to start doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and what is he, what is his ministry going to now change to from what he saw? And it's that kind of like one main staple that he saw now with Mary walking around is that now his whole premise is going to change because of this one interaction and yeah. this one change where it's like something like that happens to you. That's all you want to talk about. Right. Now that's the talk <laughs> of the town. That's the talk of all the Pharisees. Now what is going to change with them is going to be something that we're really going to look forward to throughout this whole series. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's very, all, all, everything you just said is very, very, very well put. Um, but yeah, the things that he say, the, the, when he's saying like only God can heal this person and then, and then this person is clearly in their white, right mind. And Nicodemus has been a really interesting character they've been setting up because he is at his station for a good reason. He does know a lot of things, but you can just tell there's just, there's wonder in his, when he talks about things. He, he almost like comes across as like, I know a lot, but I really don't know anything. And like, what if God is just, He's like what we know, but what if he's what if he's a lot different too? What if what if we've only scratched the surface? Like the things that he's kind of curious yes. about, and then how this interaction with Mary kind of like sparks something when he knows that she, when he sees that she's okay, then it's almost like he's not in, he's not talking about and thinking about God in an academic sense anymore. It's like a he's like talking and thinking about. God and who God could be in like this state of wonder and like almost like giddy, like a kid, like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like this is a miracle. That's one thing that they say, like, this is definitely a miracle. Like what happened? And that's like a word that has more meaning than it would for you. And I, you can kind of tell like when they say the word miracle, that has something to do like in their faith, it has something to do with God, like something that's impossible that you witness it and you can't believe that it just happened, but it did just happen in front of your face. And it's that kind of like level of like all, um, that you get from him. And yeah, you can kind of just start seeing things changing for him as, as Mary has clearly had major changes. Right. I think you probably have heard this term before, but Jesus has flipped the script, mm-hmm. he flipped the script back then. And that's what it was. Nicodemus was truly by the law of the time. And now that curiosity, that spark in him is like, wait, what is going on here? And it completely yeah. changes. Like I think about the tables, you know, in the temple being overturned. Like that's yeah. what, that's what is happening. Everything is just being overturned and this whole new quote unquote wave is coming in of change and yeah. restoration in life. And it's like, 
it's here. You know, they talked about it. And even what we, what we hear from Nicodemus is that something is coming. Well, is this Jesus that, that is talked about in the book of the coming of the sun? Is the time now? Yeah. And that's that spark that gives, you know, the show some of that life to saying like, oh, here, here it comes. You know, the wheels are turning. Yeah. People are getting curious and interested in it. It's, it's, it's alive. And it kind of jumps off the screen at you. You kind of feel yes. that in your body. Like, I'm excited talking about it right now. Yeah. Just reliving it. Like, it's great. <laughs> it's great. I want to watch that episode too again yeah right now and it's it's great you know it gives you that that reason for hope mm-hmm. and restoration yeah that's ex- very very well put um so i guess some of the other things that kind of happen is simon and well matthew basically goes to the magistrate quintus and basically talks to the magistrate and is like i don't think you should be trusting this guy is it true that you're even working with this guy and the magistrate is like wait who oh yeah yeah like He's, he is doing something for me. And then basically what we find out is that Simon agreed to find out. So like we in the very first episode when Quintus, this magistrate, goes to Nicodemus, he's like, you need to make people stop fishing on Sabbath. I think it's because they're not getting tax money from it, something to that effect, or they're not. Rome, Rome wants to be in control where they're not in control, that type of a thing. So what we figure out is Simon has gotten himself into some kind of a arrangement with this Quintus guy where he's going to figure out who is fishing on Shabbat and then he's going to um, turn them over. He's going he's gonna to go to Quintus and be like, I figured out who it is. It's these people so you can throw them in jail. And then he's going to get his taxes taken care of or something like that. It's like this arrangement. So it's a very seedy arrangement. And I believe in this episode, uh, let me just double check... Yep, yep. He Simon tells his brother Andrew, like, look, I did this arrangement. And because uh, Andrew's like, wait, what arrangement did you have? And then Simon tells his brother Andrew, like, I'm going to figure out who's doing this. And uh, and then Andrew's furious because he's like, these, these are our own people that you're going to turn over to Rome. And then in his interaction with Quintus, Matthew is like, you shouldn't be trusting this guy, Simon. And then the magistrate is like, fair point. Okay, take this journal and follow Simon around and report to me by writing down what's happening and then come tell me if what you find and then we'll figure it out. And that way, if, he's, if Simon doesn't deliver, I'll get him. If Simon right. does deliver, then I win. So he basically, the magistrate sets himself up in a win-win. So It's almost like Simon's making a deal with the devil. Yes, you know, he's already in one foot deep. He's now going, well, I'm going to jump in full into this, you know, situation. And it's like, uh, he's getting himself in a super hard place. And it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, I don't know if you want to do that, but you know, as it turns out, what will happen? But, um, it, it was interesting to see just like the interaction and the tense, you know, talking, it's another one of those things that we have in the back of our mind that, okay, now that's going on too. Let's watch what Matthew's going to do and write in his ledger and be that kind of like quote unquote spy to what it's going to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's really uh, interesting. Like, I think you've alluded to this throughout the podcast too, but like what, if you put yourself into somebody's situations, you could make a decision that you wouldn't necessarily make. And maybe it's a negative decision and kind of what we're getting the sense of at this point is like, okay, Simon's made a couple of bad decisions and now you kind of get the real feeling like, okay, now he's in over his head. He made a couple of compromises that he probably shouldn't have made and now he can't get out mm-hmm. of, of the pickle he's in. There's no way out. Um, and he doesn't 
want to necessarily turn people in, but he doesn't really have a choice. And so like just the pickle that he's in has, has gone from like what we saw in the first episode to like, Oh, it's really, he's really in over his head. He's really in trouble. Yeah. It's, it's a little unsettling, especially what we see with Eden and what she is going to be, you know, kind of curious in terms of what she or what he's doing. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, the best way to put it is I feel like he is already off the track and he's now going further off the track to yep. make, you know, a way right. And what turns out to be is, you know, the only way to get back to it is to follow Jesus. But you know, he's, uh, he's way out. Oh yeah. He's way gone. He's way gone. And it's needs a miracle to be able to come back into, into the fold. But yep he's got a lot going against him and not a lot going for him. (laughs) He they're setting, they're setting his story up really well. Um, so really the, the last couple of things to mention about episode two, from my perspective is kind of goes along. So it's really like what's happening is like, we got Matthew, Simon and Andrew, we kind of got their thing going on. Then we have Mary and Nicodemus and, uh, what's kind of going on with them. So, uh, Nicodemus gets called or, I don't know if that's the right word, but there's somebody above him in, again, in this hierarchy of Israelite religious orders. Um, th- this name of this character, Abed-Din. I'm not even saying that. Abed-Din. That's how they say it, Abed-Din. Um, I think I have that right. But anyway, it's this guy who's important. So Nicodemus gets called into a court. That's the way, um, best way I can put it. He gets called into like a court room, which is actually, I think, maybe it's a tent. I don't remember. But there's a guy sitting, and it's the guy that I just mentioned, Abed Dean. And basically, it's come out that a miracle has happened. I think it was Shmuel went to this this guy, and he reports a miracle. And, it's, and that makes it a big deal. So then all these people have to come in and give testimony and everything. So Nicodemus comes in, and it's like, so, so to your own account, Nicodemus, there was a girl that wasn't, you, nothing could be done, and then you guys have seen her in a right mind, and so that therefore it's a miracle. Is that right? And then Nicodemus is like, let's not jump to any conclusions because we don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. So Nicodemus is like, let me investigate what happened myself. Let me go talk to this person myself. She knows me. She'd probably be more comfortable than if we brought her in here and all questioned her. That might scare her off or something like that. And that's what basically gets Nicodemus to go talk to Mary in the way that I just described. So it's kind of making like things are happening. Like you can't, Mary getting healed isn't just Mary getting healed. There's a lot of other things that that kind of uh, affected. Um, And so you can see that it's causing like a bit of a stir, I guess. Did you have any thoughts? Like a ripple effect. A ripple effect. Yeah, to what is going on. And you'd have to almost assume that everything before this is kind of, you know, people are just going about their own business. None of this is happening. And now all of a sudden you have this Mary situation that comes up. You have people seeing it. You have people seeing her walk around the streets like, wait, what happened here? Mm-hmm. And that it's that prick again where it's like, you know, that thing in your mind, it's like, wait, 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 what happened? Like yeah. what's going on with this girl? Something is up. Yeah. And it, it's that intrigue, you know, for more of what's going on. And it's like hmm, let's watch her and let's see what's going on. And they're always, and they're going back and asking, wait, yeah. what did you do in that room? Like, did you do anything? Was anyone else there? They're kind of questioning the process and what had gone on to be able to document it, yeah. to, to be able to, to write it down and have a story about it, which is 
Because it's really, it does, you kind of get the sense of that what they ultimately want is the truth. Yes. But it's almost like they want to be in control. Mm-hmm. So they maybe, don't want that stuff to happen. Like they just wanted yes. someone to go there and, hey, say something. Unless to it her. was them. If, if they had had it happen, then it'd probably be good. But you get the sense that because Nicodemus was unsuccessful, that means that they don't know what's going on. And so, therefore, they want to know the truth to know what's going on so that there's something that's not out of their control. 100%. That's kind yes. of the feeling I think I got. Yes, I completely agree. Okay. So then, really, the close of this episode is the Shabbat dinners. It's really interesting because. I mean, they call it out right here that there's four different Shabbat dinners. So Mary, this whole time, and the, there's... Whoop, almost dropped my battery charger for... This is it. He's, he's going to kill me. That's hilarious. I didn't mean to do that sound bite, uh, but that is almost kind of appropriate. <laughs> That's from the episode with uh, Charles Harger in Marine, season one, uh, <laughs> when he did something he wasn't supposed to do in boot camp, and the sergeant found him out. And oh, That's a really fun sound bite. This is it. He's, he's going to kill me. Um, so yeah, like literally the cord just hit that button. It was just funny that that happened anyway. Um, so Mary throughout this episode, you can tell she's getting ready to do a Shabbat dinner and a Shabbat dinner is this important, like weekly event where you're getting ready for Shabbat and Shabbat is the day where you don't work. We know it as a Sunday. Yes. Um, and so she's getting ready to prepare a Shabbat dinner. And the thing is like, you have to do it a certain way. There's specific rituals, and things that you want to do for your Shabbat dinner. So she's inviting different people that she knows to come over to her place and have a Shabbat dinner with her. And then Nicodemus, he's getting to have, he's getting ready to have a completely different Shabbat dinner. And he's like the main guy, like leading the Shabbat dinner. But then there's all these influential people that are going to show up and it's very fascinating, the kind of Shabbat dinner he's going to have. And he's going through his whole, like quote, coming to Jesus type moment. Mm -hmm. That's all in quotes. But He's like thinking, he's questioning different things. He doesn't know what to think about this thing with Mary, who's like good and like he wasn't able to do anything, but clearly she's in her right mind. How is she in her right mind? And he's wrestling with that. Meanwhile, his wife is just not interested at all in him questioning things. Uh, She just wants to have her fancy Shabbat dinner. And let's see. Oh, and then we have uh, Simon and Peter, or Simon and Andrew and Eden. They're having a Shabbat dinner. And then who's the fourth here? You can say whatever you want to, if you wanted to just jump in there. I think just the importance of the Shabbat dinner, like it's the importance of the day, but then also to celebrate bringing together what we see with Nicodemus, your, your family members, but then also Mary, you know, showing the importance of what that weekly dinner was and preparing it the right way. And just that ritual type of weekend yeah. activity where it was, Hey, the day's important, but it's just as important as having this dinner mm. and really focusing on getting your mind right and body right throughout the week by having on this day. And that to me, when I was watching it, like just the importance of what the Sabbath is, I kind of put two and two together of like, wow, there's also some importance back in our own lives to be able to do this on our own mm-hmm. situation and stance where it's like, have a family dinner, have, you know, friends over, yeah. do that kind of dinner and break bread and prepare it the right way yeah. and, and celebrate what we're called to do. So seeing this in here and the importance of what Mary did and even with Simon and Peter and or Simon, Peter, and then also Andrew and Eden, it was like, okay, that was cool to bring it all together yeah. and have that weekly type thing and showing that and yeah. the importance of breaking bread together. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, yeah, the community aspect of it yes, is really community. interesting. The community and, and family, because like you have the family, uh, Andrew and Simon and Eden, they're doing it as a family, because I think it was just the three of them having their dinner. Um, Don't and, we see Jesus come, like Jesus comes into... Mary's. Yes, to Mary's. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the amazing closure. And then uh, the fourth that I forgot about was actually Matthew. So he prepares something, and then he walks to, we don't know what he's doing, but he walks to a house and he starts looking at what's going on and we figure out that's his parents. Mm. So you find out that he isn't welcome, but he still knows what Shabbat is. He knows what Shabbat dinner is. And he ends up seeing his family from a distance. He, he won't go. So you're wondering kind of, okay, why do they not accept him? Probably not. That's kind of the feeling like you get, and then he basically just sits down and has his own food, and that's when he, we get introduced to the dog. Yes. I don't think he ever gets. A, I don't think this dog ever gets a name, <laughs> but this dog basically just becomes Matthew's dog. His dog finds Matthew and is following him around, and I guess maybe they share a Shabbat meal together. But that's that's a fascinating other one because then it's this this kind of outcast type of a person who still knows that he is in this community, but he's also aware, meaning the Israelite community. But also, he's not welcome in the community, and now we find out he's not seemingly not welcome in his own family, right? Which is a really interesting contrast from the other, and it kind of makes a, gives you a little bit more of a uh, gives you some feeling, I guess, maybe for Matthew and what else must be going on in his story. Yeah, it was interesting to see, obviously, you know, what he chose to do with his career to choose Rome over his faith. And now because of that, he is very much so kind of this isolated individual who really doesn't have a place other than just spending time with himself. The dog kind of befriends him in it. And Mm -hmm. when he goes through the city, when he's working, you know, Roman guards always with him and it's like, okay, you know, he's really that outcast type of person. Yep. And it's, you know, you kind of feel your heart kind of gets a little tug, you know, towards him. It's like, man, I I feel bad that he made this decision. Sure. He's super smart. He's got, you know, like you said earlier, the math skills, he's doing all that together, you know, behind the scenes. And it's like, I I feel sorry for him that he chose this route, but obviously God's going to use him in a a way that's going to, you know, bring glory to him. It's, but it's interesting to see just what he chose to do to kind of disown his family, the people around him and be that tax collector for the people in his city. Yeah, it's an interesting take because, like, throughout the throughout what we have seen so far, you can see the desperate situation that Simon's in. You can see the desperate situation that Andrew's in, and it's all about like, I need more. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. And then Matthew is in a completely different situation be, because he's got all these resources. He's got the nice place. He's got the nice outfit. Uh, he doesn't seem to super care about it. He's got like super expensive sandals. He's got the job. He's got his life is kind of in order. You can kind of tell he's got an order to his life. But seeing him on Shabbat, you can kind of tell like he's aware, even with all that he has in co- in comparison to what the other characters that we know, he's got a lot, but he also has lost a lot. And you kind of get that sense. Yeah, he's, he's broken outside of his work mm. and what he's doing during the day, where at, at night, weekends, Shabbat, he's very much lonely. Yep. You know, he doesn't have much going on yep. for him. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah. And then the final thing that happens, which you alluded to is Mary is having her Shabbat and she's not, you can just tell she doesn't really know what she's doing. She's just doing it as 
as best as she can because you're seeing like Nicodemus's Shabbat and he's because you're supposed to recite and do all these different things. There's formal things to do. There's formal things that you're supposed to serve. There's things that you're supposed to. So there's like there's a whole like uh, ceremony to it, and there's a specific way of doing things. And you can kind of tell she doesn't know what she's doing, but she's doing as best she can. She just invited a couple of random people that she knows. There's the blind woman mm-hmm. who comes with the kind of lame beggar guy. They kind of show up together, and then there's like one or two other people, and then one seat is open. And then I think she says something that, like, you're supposed to have an open seat for Elijah. Or there's something that she says, like, you're supposed to have an open seat. And then there's a knock at the door. And she gets up and she goes and answers the door. And then she's face-to-face with the guy. She doesn't know his name still. She's face-to-face with the guy that fixed her up, seemingly, that she met. And she was one way. Now she's completely different. And then he walks right in. He takes that seat. There is something about that. I don't remember if I That's got that right. Point. Yeah. But she was like, I, th- I was told when I was a little girl that we were supposed to leave a seat open for something. And then he walks in and he takes that se- seat. And there's something symbolic about that. I just can't remember. Yeah. The, the I am. The I am that person. Yeah. Yeah. That is just like, you watch that, you kind of get a little shit. Get a little chills. Yeah. yeah. Like, whoa. Like, that was, that was cool. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. And you get you put that face to the name. Now yep. again, now we're seeing him again in episode two, and it's like, and man, it's not until the end of the episode. Yeah, once again, once again, not Jesus until the end of it. does not have a key part until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> but then when he takes the seat, I think they, she, I think Mary was like, "This is the person that I told you about that helped me." And they're like, "Oh, what's your name?" He's like, "I'm Jesus of Nazareth." And then the, I think it was the beggar dude says something like, Nazareth, can anything good come of Nazareth? Which is a famously quoted line yes. in scripture because Nazareth, Nazareth was considered a less than great place and nobody expected the Messiah of God to come from a place like that. They always expected him to come from a place of more notoriety. So right. it was just fun, fun little connections for people. Yes, there. I know you're paying attention to everything that's going on in the episode, but then like when you see Jesus and him talking and what he's going to say, you're like, I don't know, it's it's tenfold what you're going to listen yeah. to and try to like pick out from it. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and you're so like in you know hyped up to hear what he has to say because yeah, you know you know the words that he's spoken, but you want to hear them from his from his mouth. Yeah, because I mean it's funny because like Jesus shows up and like you've if you've read the Bible, you've read the Gospels, and so you've read the stories, you've heard the stories of what Jesus did and and what he said and how he said it, and you've probably heard people like preachers talk about what Jesus said and why he said it. So like the story, the series does a really good job of like owning its research and ha- I mean, they've had like rabbis, they've had academics, theologians, all these people kind of come in and give their two cents on what was going on in the backgrounds during the gospels and what Jesus would have been doing and why he would have been doing it. And the depth of meaning behind some of the things that he did that you wouldn't know unless you had a more deeper understanding. So like the show does a really good job of having Jesus do stuff in probably the fashion that he did it and the the reasons behind why he just said what he said. And like, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss something. And there's something that when Jesus is saying something, when the, that act, the actor does a fantastic job of, of portraying, Jesus, I think, really brings the character to life. But there's something about it where, yeah, like you, he says something and something happens. You get little goosebumps on you. Um, and even if you're not like you and I, where we grew up like learning this kind of stuff, I think that there is definitely something 
for you there because Jesus is kind of this larger than life character. Yeah, just he's, he's so good with his words mm-hmm. where he's witty and he's able to kind of give this like, you know, one or two or three word response that's just captivating. Yes. That is like, whoa, he said that. Yeah. Like, that is amazing. Like even like when he sat down, I believe he said, I am. Like mm-hmm. even in those words, it's like, I am like. I never put so that together good. until you said that. That is so powerful. Yeah. But like even the Elijah thing is I forgot that that seat was open for him. And then yeah. hearing that, it's like, wow, like that is powerful. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. They do such a good job. And like, um, again, I can't wait for season three. But so at this point, we're at an, uh, an hour and 40 minutes in. So this is a long podcast. And we've only got, I don't know why I thought we would get through like all the episodes, but there, there's just a lot to talk about. So I'll have David back and we'll we'll talk about more chosen uh, chosen episodes and chosen review. But I just, I, I think my final thoughts and then I'll let you kind of say your final thoughts, but I'll go first so you can think about what your final thoughts are. Great. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the series is just so exceptionally well done. It's very accessible. No matter who you are, no matter your background, there's a lot of things that you can stream and a lot of things that you watch. I, Natalie and I talked about it. So we worked with, David and I worked with, with Natalie um, way back. So this, the, the podcast with Natalie Baldwin, when we talk about being in the same department and doing a lot of stuff, D- David was in that office with us. We were doing a lot of the same things. And uh, Natalie and I talked about watching Game of Thrones. And that show is definitely not for kids. It's, fair, it's for a very mature audience. And I watched it, uh, and uh, it's got stuff in there that's really not not great. Anyway, that series ended, and it was so disappointing how it ended. Um, it was not well done, but uh, you know it, it is what it is. But this isn't like that kind of a show. It's it's, it's accessible. There's nothing that you're going to see that you're going to be like, well, I could have probably probably would have been nice if I'd just never seen that in my life. Right. Um, or been exposed to that in my life. That probably wasn't the best thing. You're not going to get that from this series, but it's a really well done series. The characters are excellent. The character development is excellent. It's very historical. If you do read the Bible, or if you ever did read the Bible, or you were ever curious about the life of Jesus, it would be fascinating to go read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then bits of Acts. And then watch this series and then watch that because it does, you mentioned it, it really makes that stuff that you read come to life. And it makes you, I, I, always, I always feel more in awe when I watch it about all of the things that I've read over, over the Bible, not just even the gospel, there's stuff in the Old Testament they bring up. They even have a, Moses is in the beginning of one of the episodes um, and you don't know it's him, right. like what we've mentioned. It's just a scene. It's these two guys, and they're doing something. And then something happens. It's like, oh, this is Moses. Okay. Oh, and this is Joshua. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so it's not just the Gospels that kind of come to life. It's really the Bible, like end to end um, in a lot of ways. So anyway, go check it out. It's free. Pay it forward. I didn't know that you would get an email that you just gave the show to somebody so um would recommend i clearly need to do that um but yeah great series i highly recommend it like i said this is a bonus episode i've i kind of wanted to try doing a review clearly i'll need to condense future reviews (laughs) (laughs) but yeah david what are your what are your final thoughts man season one through what they're going to do season seven will cover truly the whole new testament 
from really the Gospels into Jesus dying. But I do appreciate the flashbacks and the flash forwards, if you will, like you're talking mm-hmm. about Moses and seeing Joshua mm-hmm. early on. Like that to me is just that extra level where, mm-hmm. you know, talked about this New Testament, the new coming of this new Savior. Okay, we heard that in the Old Testament. It's coming in the New Testament. I love those beginning parts where they kind of flash back, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, that really kind of helps paint the picture of, of what's going on, what this prophecy is coming true. And right. I, I, I mean, it's one of those shows that I watch that you can continue watching. You couldn't get tired of watching. Yeah. You know, and to your point, even too, like if you're at least somewhat interested or you have some kind of, you know, Insure like you're interested in a piece of it. You could watch, you know, the first episode and be like, "Wow, you know, I'm I'm interested in knowing more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of intrigued. I want to follow a little bit more into it. You know, it's it's something that you can watch on the go. It's something you watch at home with your family. You can, you know, listen to it or watch it anywhere you so please. And it's one of those things that you know, even for someone that might not be a believer in their life, getting into it. It's something that, you know, could really spark this whole movement in their life where they're like, wow, I've always wanted to know what Jesus had to say, or I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And that thought for me, it's like, you know, we are, I would say, quote unquote, maybe a seasoned Christian where we know, you know, things that they're talking about, but someone that might not have that familiarity up front, hearing that and having them watch this series could give them a very good deep dive into what the Bible is talking about. And that is so uplifting that it could be any walk of life that you're in. You're basically, you know, getting into this and, and seeing what was happening 2000 years ago and putting yeah. those pieces together. And it, that is, that is so rich that here we are in 2022 and we're able to watch, you know, this on TV and being able to, see the words that, you know, we have read for a very long time pop out on the page and seeing that it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And it's, you know, it's, it's shot really well. Theatrics are really well done. I appreciate just the, the whole package that they have put together Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's, it's captivating for someone that's very like, you know, a critic on the video and reviews and those kind of things. It's, it's done in 4k. It's, it's a beautiful yeah. picture. It's, yeah. it's real. It's not, you know, is it done in 4k? I believe so. I didn't know that. we don't have, I, I need to still need to get a 4k TV. Well, I think if you watch on your, uh, maybe not your MacBook, but yeah, none, none of these that. have like the well, crazy 4k, but it's, it's so, I didn't well know done. that. That's awesome. So well done. And even the sound, like you hear some of the yeah. sound, like that's something that we didn't talk about either, but the sound of it and just the, I, all of it is just it, the package is fantastic. I, 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 I'm, I would highly recommend it to anyone that hasn't seen it, that would want to watch it, to want to go through it. It's, yeah. it's something you can't miss if you're a Christian or want to be Christian or just at least interested yeah. in the story of Jesus. Curious about the story of Jesus. This will, this will definitely get it for you. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, my own personal story is pretty complicated. I grew up in the church and then, in my 20s, I had some really dark nights of the soul, difficult things that I went through. And I, I kind of was like, I don't want anything to do with that. For years, I would say, I really don't want anything to do with that. And then slowly, I, I would say, it, I mean, that's a story for a completely other day, but I think it was really like Jesus, who he is, who he embodies, really kind of pulled me, pulled me back to himself, I think. So... I, j- I really like this series because it, again, it brings that to life. So anyway, we are well past time. So we'll have you back. 
we will awesome. finish and do some more. So thanks for coming on the podcast, sir. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Lance.